Welcome to Letterbox Book Club. My name is Claire. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we'll be discussing the number one fantasy book of the year. It's an early call, but I'll say it anyway. I'll be brave enough. We'll be discussing Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. I think that's how you say her last name. What a hyped up book this is. It is currently trending on the interwebs and the the tickety talk. Yes, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And quite frankly it just kind of popped up i swear like one day uh, yeah i'd say i was I, i'd seen it like around but i was like oh like i don't know like what the vibes are or whatever and then next minute my entire like for you page was just like fourth wing fourth wing fourth wing fourth wing i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like fine i'll i'll submit to it yeah i feel like a closed tiktok for the night you know went to bed and like the next jet je- next day it was just bam 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 Alrighty, whenever you're ready kenzie you could please read the blurb okay well this is from yeah goodreads so 20 year old violet sorengale was supposed to enter the scribe quadrant living a quiet life among books in history now the commanding general also known as her toughest talons mother has ordered violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of navarre dragon riders but when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter, like Zayden Rawson, the most powerful and ruthless wing leader in the rider's quadrant. She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly, the kingdom's protective wards are failing, and the death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. Friends, enemies, lovers, everyone at Basquiat War College has an agenda, because once you enter, there are only two ways out, graduate or die. Love it, love it. I would like to make a quick amendment, sorry. Oh, okay. I've seen a lot of discourse over how to pronounce Zayden's last name. So you said... So I just said, and when I was reading it, I said R- Rawson. I, I imagined Rawson. Is that the... Con- okay. okay. But, so in the audiobook, it, I've heard audio, it's Ryerson. Ryerson. Oh, no. Yeah, which sounds too <laughs> modern. So. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm glad you pronounced the War College name and you pronounced everything. <laughs> like, it's great. <laughs> it's a great start. I don't, I don't have to do it. It's hard because I... Yeah, it's hard because in my head when I'm reading, it's just like... It's just the word. Yeah, you acknowledge it. Yeah, you acknowledge it and you move on. Alrighty, Kenzie. Thoughts, feelings and emotions. Life has no meaning. Life has no meaning. <laughs> I finished this book and life has no meaning. Okay. No, I have lots of thoughts, feelings and emotions. However, I don't think I'm going to be able to statistically say it without like spoiling all my notes and stuff. So I'm just going to say that like I felt like recently I've been in like a real like slump. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, since <coughs> like finishing Blood and Ash, <coughs> and then before that Crescent City, and like I just feel like everything's just like not hitting the mark the same, and like reading was like a bit of a slog again. But like this book has like once again reignited my like love for reading and like fantasy and like new adult and like oh, it's just hitting all the right places in my butthole. You it's- know. <laughs> I wouldn't go with that analogy. Like, it's scratching an itch in your brain. In my butthole. But in your butthole. It's scratching my hemorrhoids. (laughs) Love it, love it. Love the passion. In a satisfying way. 
Yep. <laughs> but everything else I will talk about in my notes. Okay. Look. I was going to say as well, like, I don't think, like, like we'll talk about the plot as well, but I don't think this is going to be like, uh, this happened and then this is how we feel kind of potty. I think it's going to be one of those ones where we're just like, these are all of our thoughts all at once and here's like how it relates to the plot. More of like a, a audio essay, if you will. Oh, that's a very good description, except it may still be like jumbly and inconsistent but whatever it is the overwhelming nature of this book hopefully we encompass that in the episode anyway Alrighty, my thoughts feelings and emotions i haven't had quite the post book depression uh, since (laughs) after reading this book and i've been saying it to you like since i finished it like yeah like i feel sad when i've finished it because like there's nothing else yet to go on i absolutely devoured this book i had like four reading sessions and next minute it was done I even started this book and finished this book before Kenzie, which is completely unheard of and a very rare occasion. So I was pretty happy, pretty stoked with that. Um, The dragons are dope. The magic system is dope. The it was appropriate slow burn, you know, it's very concise. And it's I reckon it could be hard trying to create a book that's set in a college school system because, you know, how do you balance it out through like classes and activities and like other sorts of training opportunities so yeah I felt despite it being a big chunky book going in at over 600 pages um, it was still quite concise with all the events happening and character developments and relationship developments and stuff like that so I thought it was quite well balanced and yeah look I just love this book dude I just uh, frothing waiting for the second book in November which screaming which, crying throwing up. exactly yep yep it's just so good in my opinion yeah i'm really happy as well you know i just found a half-eaten lolly um <laughs> that <laughs> that it's in <coughs> november and not like next year or something yeah like, like i would be heartbroken if i had to wait two years but i don't i only gotta wait a couple of months sarah j mouse take notes i feel like yeah now with like most books if it's going to be a series like you have to have like at least the first couple oh like. yeah i mean we are up in the whole binge culture in consuming media so who's to say books aren't you know entering that sort of realm as well because um yeah we're also surprised that authors are like pumping out like multiple books a year as well and it's like how do you do that but yeah in terms of binge culture yeah books are definitely coming up there as well okay so we are introduced to violet sorengale our main character um she is she has like a condition, I guess, that like makes her body fragile. <laughs> Chronic illness slash disability, yeah. people like to say. Which is a good representation. Yep. Uh, people say it's equivalent to, I don't even know how to say it to be honest, uh, L- Ellers Denlos syndrome oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not quite familiar, so I butchered that, but anyway, yeah, good rep. Yeah. Um, so, and she's been raised like her whole life that she's going to go into the. Uh, scribe quadrant quadrant I guess that there's four or three there's, there's four scribe, yeah scribe healing dragon riders and they're just infantry and infantry yeah so she's like I'm gonna be a scribe so her dad who died um a while ago yeah it's taught her that like scribes hold knowledge and that she gave her like a book of fables and it's like her favorite book anyway so to um oh she is going to her mother's office because her mother is the general. 
um, and her sister is there and her sister's like oh my god like she can't even like handle her pack like what is she going to do because her mother is forcing her to go into the rider's quadrant mm-hmm. because it's the Sorengale family it's legacy Sorengale way yes um even though her brother was a healer or like in the healer's quadrant and he died um and her sister is a rider and her mother is a rider as well so to get into the rider's quadrant you need to like pass a test so there's a parapet that you have to walk across um it's very dangerous and you can only take like what you can carry in your pack and and that's all you can use throughout your throughout your survival i guess yeah and in like there's all these references to like the rider's codex and stuff yeah and it's saying that like whatever yeah you have on your person or like you have in your pack with you like when you cross the parapet becomes part of you I also really loved in the beginning of the chapters, or at least at the top of the chapters, there are, yeah, like a little paragraph of like the codex or um, information or historical information written by um, other folks within this world. So you get a greater understanding of how the world works and how society works. And it it was just so good. Not that I can remember much of it. I have a couple of photos of like two good ones. Oh, yeah. Do you you want to say that now? Or is it more towards the end? or anything um no it doesn't give spoilers they're just funny so from major frederick's modern guide to healers in the event that you come across a poison you do not recognize recognize it is best to treat with any and every antidote either way the patient will die but at least this way you would have learned nothing (laughs) yeah i love that i love that (laughs) yeah and then the other one is you're all cowards the last words of fen ryerson Ooh, yeah redacted <laughs> Ooh, yes because i assume that's uh zayden's father mm-hmm. but yeah those little bits and pieces in the beginning of the paragraph is just so good it's just chef's kiss and it's different as well you don't really get to don't get to have like a mini sort of throwback anymore in, in books just the immersion of this book is so good <laughs> so um just quickly going over like a little bit of the law sorry um when you're a writer and you bond to a dragon um, they channel their like power into you, so you get a signet, which is like, an like a pet, like a magic power. Sometimes they're elemental, sometimes they're not. And Violet's mother can control storms. Yes. And Mira, what can Mira? Mira is her older sister. What can she do again? Mira can um make a shield. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She helps with the wards and stuff. And that's what I love about this dope ass magic system is that it all comes from the dragons. It's quite simple easy to follow they also have the ability to channel like lesser magic as well so they can i don't know unlock doors and do all sorts of little bits and pieces little side magics but obviously they're whether or not it's um elemental or otherwise their main wielding magic is can be quite exhausting and yeah extremely powerful in some cases so i loved it loved it and just before we move on i just want to say the whole parapet stuff, it really reminded me of Divergent. Gave mm. me intense Divergent vibes with the Dauntless, you know, running to catch mm. the train once they've all, you know, chosen their factions and stuff. Mm. Yeah, and this, had to jump. Yeah, and that's, yeah, had to jump. Um, yeah, it's just giving me <sighs> your fantasy Divergent vibes and I ate it up, loved it. So yeah, and the, yeah, para- the parapet was the first test. Going back to quickly what you said about, yeah, carrying... Uh, you can only take with what you can carry, essentially. Uh, Mira uh, organised 
some dragon scales in Violet's armor, uh, Violet's leathers, to essentially create armor to help protect her, and then switched out some boots because the parapet can be incredibly like slippery and dangerous. And the thing about this as well is like you either survive or you die. And there is um, which I have qualms about essentially. Um, um, and so yeah, a lot of people are dying on this parapet as Violet makes her way. Yeah, and because. Violet is a Sorengale, her mother is a general, a lot of people, um, oh and she's weak, a lot of people think that she doesn't deserve her place, so right off the bat she is a target. <laughs> she's keeping her illness kind of like a secret as well, only a, less than a handful of people know, but people yeah see her as weak just due to her stature and just- I think yeah because of her stature, yeah. And just being the general's daughter like, oh, yeah, yeah. she's competition. Yeah, so I want to jump straight into kind of like a plot point or whatever. Um, and how knowing what we know and knowing that like Violet's mother like forced her into it and I've seen this a lot on TikTok and you always think like well I've never had an original thought in my life (laughs) (laughs) but while Violet is crossing the parapet also she gave one of her boots to a friend she made in line Rhiannon because her Rhiannon's boots were they didn't have any tread so it was going to be slippery because it was already raining yeah (laughs) yeah Go on. So anyway, on three separate occasions, as Violet is crossing the parapet, there is mention of like the wind gusts up, or like it starts to rain heavier, or like you know just the storm. It gets intensifies. Heavier. It intensifies, and I just think it's interesting that that happens while Violet's crossing the parapet, and her mother can control storms, and her mother is there watching. And then the people cross, and it eased up once she passed as well. Mm. So like, mm. is she trying to kill her own daughter? knowing yes. what we know yes <laughs> yes <laughs> but no that was yeah it, it like when i saw that tiktok because nothing no theories clicked for me like i was just in that state of like i just finished i don't know what to do i don't know what to think and it's just like yeah i don't have yeah that like analytical mind like as i'm reading for the first time i'm just like putting myself in the story yeah and then tiktoks are popping up with like little theories and stuff and it's like oh yeah. my god although i did catch on to some things though which we'll yeah. discuss later on or as they come up um, and then my next point I have is that so Mira, so Violet had obviously made her pack like too heavy because she didn't know what to take and she wanted to take all her like books and like fables that her father had given her and Mira's like I'm going to repack your pack but Mira held on to the book of fables. What? Mira's sus. <laughs> no, no but then she because she gave them back oh, so right, she right. held on to the book of fables and she gave it back to Violet like when they met up or whatever oh later later yes yes okay yeah yep, yep, yep. so I'm just thinking like um did you just hold on to it and give it back because you knew that like she loved the fables and like she loved her dad or do you know the truth <laughs> yeah look because yeah I was just gonna say because they went this is obviously later on, like, they went to the archives and she's like, I want this book because I'm, like, homesick or miss it, dad, or whatever. Then the archives are like, what the fuck is this book? It doesn't exist. We don't have this book. There's which no was su- Which is sussy-wussy. And, but, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, now I'm just thinking about, yeah, what what Mira's role is now. But, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll get to it towards the yeah. end, I guess. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then, because in the... Um, book as well I won't like completely go into it but her dad left a note in the book and then also like he would tell her that like scribes hold all knowledge so they are pretty much responsible for the writing rewriting yeah. and they're of the history. ones who send in like the like battle briefs every morning like they send in what's happening like on the outpost and stuff so 
Yeah, so she passes the parapet. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just other little, like, sort of backstory historical elements real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is divided into two kingdoms. We have the Navarra. Navarre, mm-hmm. I think. I just and say Navarre, yeah. Navarre, and then we have the Pomorial. That's how I say it, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been at war for, like, 400-odd years. Um, there's this set. There's a set of um, children, people who are known as traitors in the war, uh, or their f- fam- parents and families yeah, were traitors. Yeah, six years ago, they yeah their parents were executed for being traitors. Yep, and um, they have been marked with a special relic from the dragons to kind of prove their loyalty to Navarre, and they're only allowed to be eligible for the Riders' Quadrant because ultimately, you know, it's the only kind of ethical way to kill them, if you want to say it like mm-hmm. that, because mm-hmm. um, they have to survive as well, yeah. just like any other normal person. Yeah, all yeah, the children of the traitors, um, <coughs> yeah, are all sent to the Riders' Quadrant. Yep, and uh, the main bad boy of this troop is, of course, Zayden Ryerson, Rawson, however you want to say it, Ryerson, whatever. Um, his father is known as the Great Betrayer, um, and his and Violet's mother, Lilith, exe- I suppose personally executed him. And so Zayden has this uh, rift with Violet, which is like fair enough. But also Violet is under the impression that uh, Zayden's father killed her brother. Yes. So they have this sort of real enemies vibe happening. Yes. And so th- he makes her a target for himself to try and kill in the early stages of the writers living and surviving the writers quadrant yes and then she like there's this other guy named jack who seems to just hate her jack for, Barlow. for whatever context i think it's just because she's the general's daughter she's and, he just, girl, yeah. and she's weak yeah yeah she he's just hell-bent on calling her weak and being weak except she ups him all the time like just give up bro and zayden's uh signet magic is uh shadow powers and stuff which is really cool and there are rules set by the Marked Ones. Yeah, they're known as the Marked Ones. And they have to abide by a rule that they're not allowed to congregate but with three or more of their members. Or more than three, actually. They can be with three. And there's a special reason for that, which we learn at the end. The Violet survives the parapet. And then next, she they're all set into different sort of squads and um, wings and all that sort of stuff. Um, she finds a, a family friend named Dane Atos who is a squad leader because he's second year and she is to be under his sort of leadership and or protection and throughout the entirety of this book he is essentially hell-bent on her on sneaking her into the scribes quadrant just because yeah she to him she's like weak and she's not able to survive which is very uh, ableist of him (laughs) like he doesn't believe in her survival and he's always using situations that occur to further invoke that idea that yeah she doesn't belong in the writer's quadrant despite her telling him like she's forced to be here by her mother no matter what so there's nothing she could do and dane's signet power is that if he touches you he can like see your memories or touches your face but yeah he can see your memories which is sussy wussy (laughs) i called it though (laughs) so yeah there are a series of challenges throughout the writer's quadrant in order for them to end up being bonded with dragons or but before they make it to this concept called the threshing which is yeah the the dragon bonding experience so they have this gauntlet situation where it's pretty much just like a squad obstacle course there's also like challenges where you have to fight people on like sparring mats hand on hand combat um 
Violet manages to, I think due to, because Mira has Brennan's journal and she gave it to her or she found it or something. I forget. Brennan gave it to Mira when she went into the writer's quadrant and then Mira passed it on to Violet. Oh, yep, yep. So he's giving them in pointers through the journal. And so since Violet um, has her illness issues and stuff and her muscle mass issues and bone issues, he pretty much encourages her to like uh, poison all her enemies that she comes across in these challenges. And she does so successfully, which qualm number one, how did no one get suspicious that all her opponents know, are like getting right sick? Before they get their challenges and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. But it just goes to show there's more to survival than just physical strength. And she embodies that to a T. We love that. And, and then, yeah, you got the gauntlet obstacle course. There's a series of montages of them trying to complete it. Violet gets frustrated because she can't reach a certain area because she's, like, physically too tiny or can't leap that far. But she finds a way and then, obviously, is accused of cheating. But which she then recites the codex and, you know, all is, all is well and dandy. And she's also just a target for all the marked ones because, yeah, like, her mother orchestrated all the executions of their families. So everyone hates her. Yeah, they pretty much survive until presentation day, presentation day, but then everyone is out to kill each other as well. There is like special rules and because, stuff. Yeah, you to, can't um, attack another rider while they're sleeping, and yeah. you can't attack your squad but mates. Violet gets attacked, so. <laughs> but if you die in the gauntlet or if you die in hand-to-hand combat, like that's just on you. It's all it's all about finding the strongest squad members in order to survive, because obviously you'd, they'd be the ones to survive actual war warfare. Sorry, I've written down that <laughs> it's like this brutal new like adult fantasy uh, genre of like the just nonchalant killing off of characters, and like I guess it's a good way to like eradicate your characters because you don't want to flesh them out. <laughs> like they get introduced like once or twice, <laughs> or in passing, and then like the next day on the scroll, like they're getting their names read out because they've died. Yeah, and it's like yeah, there's no attachment, and it's like no one is safe really. Yeah, because I think there was a guy. Oh, what was his name? When Violet met Dylan Rhiannon or something. Yeah. yeah, there was this guy, Dylan. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, they're gonna be like an ultimate trio. It's gonna be yeah. fun. And, and then he had like an minute. engagement ring because yeah, he's like, oh no, eyes. like we oh, promised yeah, like that's he's right. gonna engage to like his girlfriend or whatever. And th- he was like, no, we decided like once I graduate, like I'll propose. And then yeah, do- doesn't even get in. Yeah, and that's just the brutality of it. And yeah, as I was reading, I was thinking there are too many characters. And even if they're, what, they're dying off of whatever uh, challenge or whatever, it still felt like there were still too many. And then even like towards the, the end of the book, like there'll be like more characters just end up popping up as if they've been there the entire time, but just haven't been acknowledged until now. That kind of annoyed me a little bit. I might just speak on my quick qualm. Because, yeah, as we're talking about the survival and everyone out to kill each other to try and, yeah, uh, just to have a strong squad and all that type of stuff. It seemed, obviously this is through Violet's point of view, but we never heard of Rhiannon getting attacked or we never heard of Riddick getting attacked or even Liam. It's just Violet, Violet, which of course later on we know why because she obviously bonds with the strongest dragon and oldest dragon. But still, there's still no instances of like, yeah, Rhiannon you know, receiving threats or anything like that. I guess because, yeah, she wasn't a target for anyone. Um, Mm. I mean, yeah, for sure. As I was reading, like, I I saw a TikTok and I was like, oh, Liam deserved better. And, like, Liam hadn't even been introduced in the book yet. So I was like, who is Liam? Like, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) I was like, who is this person? And again, I I I think that's, like, my one sort of qualm. 
is that like yeah like Liam was introduced and like really fleshed out and like had like tragic backstory or whatever and like was kind of really integral to the like plot of the book and then he was just killed off <laughs> like introduced like halfway and then yeah killed off go away Binks and Violet and Liam do end up having a, a tight relationship they do have some bonding moments due to the nature of um yeah Violet survi- Violet survival and stuff yeah he was pretty integral but I mean I felt nothing when he died (gasps) I was just like sure I mean is it just not the plot device for her to like get a bit of thick skin and realize I was shocked but I called it from the start I was like he's gonna die there was an instance early on that was like it could have been like a squad game or a war game and and Liam Liam got hurt by Jack stabbed or something yeah and like stab him once only to kill him later on like come on but yeah, that's probably why, because it just she, it seems like yeah, the author was targeting him to invoke that visceral reaction from Violet. Anyway, yeah, Violet continues on with challenges. She succeeds. Everyone's uh, like impressed. Zayden is relatively impressed, but he's at this point where he's like playing with his food because he wants to kill her, yeah. and she knows it. She is well aware. Then we have presentation day, which is just them walking through the Vale of Dragons to be able to suss out all the different species of dragons and like figure out what one they want to pick even mm. though it's not it's at the dragon's mercy and not their mercy also this scene pissed me off though a little bit despite loving it they're having all these like outward conversations about these dragons they're judging them the dragons surely can understand them yeah. and get a vibe of who they are also and yet, the dragons straight up kill like three people while yeah i know there. <laughs> i know but still but they're not the ones that are insulting them yeah. like oh what's that dude's name Tianan or something, Tianan, yeah. whatever. I don't know he's like running his mouth and he got nothing. Mm. But, I su- but I suppose the dragons also want strong quality riders. So like, if you're just because you're a nasty person doesn't mean you're gonna be a, like a terrible soldier or anything. So I suppose that's fair. Now that I think about it. I guess that's why like Jack bonded with a dragon. Yeah, because I yeah I'm like I'm so pissed. Like you're a moral dickhead, but yeah he still managed to bond. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they spot a feather tail dragon, which apparently are rare and never bond. Um, and she was gold and that sparked a whole heap of like issues later on, which we'll get to. But, um, oh, I just remembered, um, Violet got approached by a couple of green dragons and Mm. gave her a bit of a whiff because of Mira's dragon Mm. and they recognized the scales on her. It was just such a wholesome interaction. Well, they smelled it. Yeah, loved it. And the way she was just talking to them was like, oh, this is Mira's dragon. I forgot the, forget the dragon's name. And then she just explains, oh, it's just sewed in my armour. Yeah, I want to talk about the dragons in this book and how they're written because it's like the most poignant way that a dragon has been written that I've ever read. Like okay, usually yep. they're just like these big beasts and it's yeah. like you have to go through hell to like tame them and stuff and like control them. But in this book I loved how like dragons are like these intelligent creatures and they choose like the human like that they want to bond with it's not about like brute force it's there like they recognize your soul or whatever and so they want to bond with you and like their law like is the way that it is like um Tan like always says like it is the way it's meant to be or whatever yeah they're just such formidable beasts and yeah it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it. like they have like this wisdom, wisdom and power that's like respected and not feared. Like, yeah, and they have their own leadership, which is called the I didn't even know how to pronounce it. How would you pronounce it? It's like Imperine or something. Yeah, Imperine. Yeah, the Imperine. 
thus the name of the series, the Empyrean series, I would assue. Yeah, yeah, big beat, and like, they're not like the Game of Thrones dragons who are just like bloodthirsty, ready to kill, they're semi-tame, but very unhinged, and you can never truly control them. Whereas with this, you need that balance between rider and dragon, one cohesive unit working together. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's like when uh, Violet bonded with the two of them. Like, it wasn't the humans that were like, this can't be. They were like, the dragon's like, nah, like, this is how it is. But knowing what we know, though. Yeah. <laughs> is it because Tan recognises her being Brennan's sister and just being like, I'm going to pick you? Yeah. Well. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, let's get to the threshing. Because, yeah, she survives threshing. Threshing. There's this little guy. Uh, there's this mission with Jack and this other couple other bozos. Um, they want to kill the golden feather tail because she is in the threshing. Yeah, yeah, it's in the threshing. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like a mission. Like that's just. Well, the that, that's. I mean, yeah, I know, but it's their personal mission to kill oh, yeah. this dragon, because they like Violet. They see her as weak and useless, and even though she's like a baby dragon, leave her alone. And so they hunt her down and try to kill her, but Violet obviously intercepts them and is defending this dragon's life. She's like, fuck off, dragon, fly away. Dragon's like, hell nah, I want to see what goes down. And so, yeah, Violet's fighting them off, and Zayden's there watching, and Zayden can't interfere. As a wing leader, he's, they're not allowed to interfere in any of these sorts of things. Yeah. Because, again, it's at the mercy of the dragon. It's in their codex. And so, yeah, Violet's pretty much fighting for her life, and then Tan shows up. And everyone backs away, and yeah, that's he's the biggest dragon, and he's a he's the oldest as well. Black dragon. He has a special tail or something. They all have different tails. And for five years, he hasn't bonded with anyone. I think yeah, the tails kind of identify what type of species they are and yeah. the color and stuff. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's the biggest, baggest, baddest dragon. And yeah, in that moment, he bonds with her, and then she hears another voice in her head, and it is the gold dragon, yeah, named Andana. Andana, yeah. And she is like a little puppy in terms of personality. Yeah. Which is really cute. She's only two. Um, She's just a baby. She's just a baby. Yeah. And then Tan really wants to kill the guys, but then Violet's like, no, I'm going to show them mercy because she's different like that. We love that. But in reality, she's never killed anyone before. And she doesn't... She's trying to make her way into this world without killing anybody, which is a pretty uh, sappy motivation. But anyway, we get that character development later. We also find out that Zayden's dragon, Scale, Scale, Scale. I say, I say, Scale. Yeah, Scale. Um, and Tan are mates. Yes. Yes. Love that. Which means that they can't be like too far away from each other for too long and stuff. So Zayden and Violet are now like bonded in a way. Yeah. Um, and they can all like mind talk. <laughs> yeah, it's a four-way bond essentially. Which I like it. It is different because the trend the past few years is fae people and mating bonds and soulmates type of stuff. I love it when it is that it's now just the creatures that are mates and not the people. At the end of Threshing, they all congregate to where all the leaders are. Violet's mother's there as well as General Melgreen or Melgren. And they're all signing off on all the dragons and who the riders are. And in that moment, Violet reveals Tan's full name, which... I don't remember what it is, so I'm not going to say it. And then in the moment, she was really hesitant about revealing Andana's name. But then Tian turned... Oh, Tan, however you say his name. Big boy dragon. So Tan. Uh, Tan encourages her to say Andana. And so she does. And that causes a whole fucking ruckus because it's never happened before. We love a chosen one moment. The female MC. Better than everyone else moment. Loved it. 
And so there's this brief little montage of um, of the dragons having a bit of a leadership talk because their their rules are absolute law and certainty, and like the human leaders just have like I suppose an obligatory meeting about it. And in this moment, Dane kisses her too, which I, nothing ever really comes of it, <laughs> other than their own personal squabbles about it. But no one holds it against her that Dane kissed her, which was interesting. I feel like it got forgotten by other characters because like everyone who was bonded was there. I don't like Dane in general, but I didn't like that he kissed her like in front of everyone because he's such a, a stickler for the rules. And so I think also he had mentioned like, oh, like I'm your superior or whatever. But like when it's on his terms, like he's allowed to kiss her. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just a weird guy. And yeah, very much a stickler for the rules. And we'll probably bring it up later, but like Zayden and Dane have it at it with their words about each other. And it got, I think Zayden said something to Dana about, um, would you, I don't know, let Violet break the rules or would you like tell on her or something like that? And he would, he would like tell on her. He was not like completely loyal to her. And it was like, I, like, I wrote down that like Dane would, wouldn't break the rules to, to save, Dane would like break the rules to save himself, but he wouldn't break the rules to save Violet. Yeah, and that, at that point, I was like, yep, Dane, you fucked up, and I do not like Especially you. Especially when um, Violet was attacked, and yeah, she yeah. was like, it was Amber who, I don't know, has like a friendship with Dane or whatever, and he immediately went straight to like, you're lying, like she wouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. It's he, like- he would always undermine like Violet's word. Like, who knows Violet better than Violet? Violet. And like, Dane's, yeah, thinking he's being super protective and like, almost like an older brother despite him just kissing her but whatever like he feels like he has that entitlement of protection and he thinks he knows best and especially when yeah um violet was saying that it was amber who attacked her um he immediately went to like touch her to be like well show me like i'll see your memories or whatever and yeah and she's like no like without my consent you're not violating my mind And he was absolutely shocked and bewildered because he it was in that moment he's like, yeah, I forgot to ask for your consent, which gives us the impression like, you know, he never asks to see memories. Yeah. And plus his power is classified like no one else is allowed yeah. to know his power. Yeah. And yeah, he's all like, that's above your pay grade, which is very stupid and arrogant. Yeah. Because it's obviously could be used for intelligence purposes. Dane, not a good fella. We hate him. He is worse than Kale. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll pay that. I've said it. I've I've said that. (laughs) And so yeah, and pretty much the next like stage of the book is just a lot of like flying lessons and bonding lessons and just seeing if the dragons powers manifest into the riders and stuff. So it's just a lot of like waiting around and hanging out Mm. for things to happen. Um one rider gets their signet power and it's it's like mind reading, like he yeah, but it's like all thoughts all at once, <laughs> all at the same yeah. time. Could you imagine that oh, happening God. in like a like, like a concert or something? Yeah. Like you would just want to die yeah. straight away. So the like signet professor just comes and breaks his neck. <laughs> yeah, it just kills him because yeah, like it's against the law to be a mind reader or whatever. But also like he was like but, going like, that's insane. It's not your fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's the dragon's fault. Yeah. Kill the dragon. But yeah, so yeah, some powers you're not allowed to have, and some you are. Um, and in that yeah moment of overwhelmingness, like you can't control it. Like yeah, you'd want just the easy way out. And so Violet becomes just apprehensive around this professor because it was he just outright killed a writer yeah. in front of everybody. And also in this moment, all the unbonded writers have the opportunity to kill other writers 
just not necessarily for their dragons, but just so the dragons, yeah, are once again unbonded. Because riders can die and the dragons are fine, but if the dragon dies, if it's bonded with a rider, then they both die. Which is another issue in terms of Zayden and Sigail and Tarn, because they're all interconnected. There's, like, different moments of <coughs> Violet and Zayden having, like, little, like, having, like, flirtatious times and stuff and blah, blah, um, And then, like, it kind of all comes to a head when Violet can feel, like, Tan and Skiel, like, having sex, dragon sex. Yeah, that is that was such a funny and weird thing. Yeah. Because, obviously, yeah, being the, the Bond has, yeah, those things where... You can feel what the dragon feels and Tan was feeling lust and all that type yeah. of stuff. And so therefore Violet was feeling very flustered and very It reminded horny. me of, yeah, like Poppy and Castile, like Poppy after she drinks blood. Oh, she's yeah, like, yeah, I'm very sensual. And so she goes to the door and like Zayden has already like assigned Liam um, to like be a bodyguard for Violet because she's the target. And because their dragons are bonded, like if she dies then like they're assuming that like Zayden's gonna die and like vice versa mm. um anyway so she's like goes past Liam <laughs> she was almost gonna jump Liam's bones yeah. right there, and then though. she goes and like finds Zayden and Zayden's like smoking I guess the fantasy equivalent of Sweet Mary J <laughs> yeah just because apparently it mellows out the feelings yeah. and stuff and he's like oh like I'm gonna I'll teach you how to ground and stuff and blah blah, blah. and then they kiss that's what I liked as well, because you hear in fantasy books or see in fantasy books how overwhelming it is to try and describe like a magic power or how people summon power or how they ground themselves. But I really liked this explanation of you just picture an environment and you physically imagine your foot being there and then you imagine the power coming through like a door. Yeah, and you just shut the door. <laughs> And you can just shut the door with your with your will and strength. And then obviously later later on when she's trying to shield and block out stuff, like imagine closing the door or strengthening closing the door or or even to let Zayden's mind link in and all that stuff is yeah. like have a window, all that type of stuff. All these little options. I just loved that description and analogy for it because even with Sarah J Mass about like tunneling into your power, mm. it's like it's like I, I just imagine them just falling through the floor like a lot. But yeah, so I like the yeah, the physical description of like what's going on. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I loved this description for it. Um, and so they kissed, and then he's like, "Oh my god, that was a mistake." Blah blah blah. Um, and then he like trains her properly on the mat. Um, and he calls her violence. <laughs> oh yes, I was gonna say I'm not. We know how I feel about nicknames. Yeah, but violence. Uh, yeah, loved it. And then because. To earn weapons, you have to win them. So he, like, has, like, daggers specially made for her because she came in with daggers. And then he, like, has them on his body. There's 12. And he's, like, disarm me. Like, because then, yeah, he's not, like, giving her the weapons. She's earning them. Yeah. And he's, like, going for blood today. Violent. Are we violenced? (laughs) We love. There was just a lot of sexual tension. I saw, sorry, quickly. I saw a comment online that's, like, this book is too smutty. I'm like, huh? Did what? we read the same yeah. book, bro? There was like two sex scenes. Yeah. That's it. That's not smutty. Sure, it felt probably felt like forever because it was, you know, more than several pages. Yeah. But like, it wasn't as smutty as. And what then, people... yeah, it eventually leads to them having sex. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then well, like yeah, further down the track. How do we feel about a f- the fertility supplement? Oh my god, I was suppressant. Sorry. There. So yeah, they're they're gonna have sex, and then she's like, I take the fertility suppressant or whatever. And then he's like, of course same. there is. 
And it's like, of course, there's some sort of like tonic or like a berry or a tree that you eat. Yeah. A whole, imagine eating a whole tree. Yeah. Infertile for a year. Yeah. Um, and they like break her armoire. They break a chair. They break windows and stuff. Like, it's crazy. And her signet power does come through as like a lightning. So she like sets some trees on fire and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because it's just the heightened emotion and all that type of stuff. And it's so funny, when Professor Carr, who is the signet-wielding magic teacher, is like, all right, dig into that emotion, and Tan was like, shall I get the wing leader? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. And then Zayden, like, sent images through her mind, like... <laughs> yeah, oh, so funny. Like, it's hard to create good banter with characters you barely know yeah. or even care about. But uh, just the banter in this book was so good, and Tan just being... Like, just a grumpy old dragon, even though he's, like, hundreds of years old. He's a formidable fucking war beast. And he's just, like, can I, he's so sarcastic and funny and, like, can I get the wing leader? It's yeah. so, like, ugh. But then, yeah, he's also very wise in that, you know, towards the end, you know, he's directing, you know, battle strategies and stuff. And it's, like, there's a nice balance and characterization between them. I want to get through the plot because I have points that I want to make, but also that we can explain, like, plot points as we're doing it better so part of like the end of year is like there's a war games thing and they also like split into like little squads within their squad (laughs) and they are given an assignment to like go and like man a outpost yeah and they essentially have like mini war um so that's fun to sort of obviously um uh, interpret like a real life scenario because just quickly yeah, that's okay. Because throughout because throughout the year they would have these battle briefs, which is based on real life events. Because she the wards are dying or are going out, and dragons control the wards, and so there's no explanation as to why that's happening, which is also very suspicious. Um, and the more more and more battle briefs they come across, the more like redacted or classified they're becoming and less accurate. So Violet and Co are finding that all suspicious because um, what are they hiding? What is leadership hiding? As um, as the the description in the blurb pointed out. So there is a secret happening, of course. And then also one of the professors, generals, whatever, can like see the outcomes of battles. Yep, General Melgreen, which which is OP, which is OP, come on. <laughs> and also um, the children of the rebels or the traitors aren't allowed to gather in groups of three or more. And then it's revealed like later on, like Violet figures out like, oh, if you're in groups of three or more, like, he can't see the outcome. Which I'm starting to think it's because because once upon a time, dragons and griffins, you know, used to, they they would play to, play together, yeah. but, like, live, co- coexist together and all yeah. that type of stuff. So I think it's the dragons know something's up or they're still just friendly with griffins and all that type of stuff. Like, this is a menial human war, war <clears throat> issue. Um, and so I think it's just, yeah, it, a way to assist the traitor kids because they have a point like their parents had a point in their rebellion and stuff so yeah which is very interesting yeah anyway there's war game and violet was going to go with dane but then what's his name zayden i was gonna say xander (laughs) i was gonna say xander (laughs) zayden is like no is like no she's coming with me and then i'm very adamant very adamant oh god it's like no you're coming with me and i don't know if like he did that because he knew that like something was going on i mean he it turned out he orchestrated the entire thing so yes because <laughs> he said i'll miss you violet no no Zayd. i'm saying zayden 
Oh, Zayden was okay. adamant that Violet was going to go with him. I, I think it was the guys of the dragons need to be yeah, together. Yeah, but I think he knew that something was sus. Maybe. And then Dane was like, well, surely you can try your dragons being away for more than three days. Yeah, and, and then, then Dane yeah, was like, I'll miss you, Violet. Which was Violet, sus. And like, touched her face. And like, I just kind of glossed over that at first. But then like... When uh, came, I noticed he was touching her face far too often. I was like, oh, hello. Um, oh, also... um. Just quickly, Andana has a secret power which she invokes through um, Violet, which stops time, which is a very OP power, and no one else knows about it except for Zayden and his dragon and yeah, Violet and, like, and it her wipes dragons. Andana out a lot as well. If she because it's channeling it, through yeah. the dragon, yeah, because she's only a baby. Yeah. Um. So they get to their outpost, and there is a letter from like the general Melgreen or whoever. Mm, I'm not sure. That is a sen- so. that's essentially like. Like, we know you're still traitors or whatever. Like, there's an attack coming. I think it's actually from Dane, from the squad oh, leader. Yeah. And it's like, your options are to run and, like, go, like, stay in the war games or whatever and, like, be cowards and, like, everyone in this village will die or, like, stay and fight. <laughs> it was mainly just a. It was either. It was to undermine Zayden's authority as a leader and question his leadership capabilities. Uh, also, their, like, their loyalty. Yeah, it was an ethical way for them to send these kids to die, essentially. These kids, these young adults, yeah. sorry. These 20-year-olds to die. And so they stay and fight. This is against the Venon and stuff, is it? Yeah, so a little bit earlier on, they meet up with like Griffin Riders and stuff, and Zayden knows this, this lady, yeah. which is sus, because it's like, he's still a traitor. Yeah, and because Violet is like, oh my god, yeah, like he's a traitor, this is why they've been gathering... Blah, blah, and blah. she's realised she's the only non-marked one in the in this squad group. Yeah, they're all rebel kids. So, so he th- she thought he was out to kill her, mm. but which obviously he's been trying to protect her because of the whole like if you die, I die yeah. situation. And then this is so Griffins and like Venon. No, so Wivens and Venon were in these fable books that her dad gave her, and then she's like, oh my god, they're real, and that's why the book has been like disappeared. <laughs> It was passed off as a fairy tale. Yeah, and she's like, she's like, Dad was like trying to warn me, and so a venom is just a person who channels corrupt magic. Yeah, and they create wyverns. I really loved that there was a distinguished difference between the wyverns and the dragons. Yeah, because it was constantly brought up. Oh, wyverns have two legs, not four, or dragons have four legs. Because in current media and depictions of dragons, dragons always seem to have two legs, and that's technically a wyvern, and I just loved it, because it's just been a meme, yeah. I think, about, oh, that's not a dragon, that's a wyvern. And then if you kill them, you kill all the wyverns that they've created as well. Um, and Very OP. So that, yeah, it's awesome. And then... Um, that's awesome. Zayden awesome. <laughs> and crew have been smuggling out weapons to the griffins and their riders, their flyers because they've been like defending the outpost and stuff and this is what the secret's been and then violet saw like a letter that came in about like an attack and then it wasn't brought up at battle brief so she's like something is going on the wards and then venon can't get through the wards around navarre so she's like this is why they're not talking about it and then they're also not doing anything like the generals and the infantry and stuff aren't doing anything to protect the people outside the wards i also remember zayden saying to violet probably when they were more buddy buddies i think it was a throwaway comment or a statement but he said something like um one day magic's going to be gone or something yeah. like that and i feel like that was that little like red herring because um navar's role in all this is to protect like the veil where the dragons live and nest and where their magic sort of resides yeah. and stuff and obviously with the wards failing it makes the dragons vulnerable 
which would yeah and then the venom are after the dragons for their magic so, and their power and yeah stuff, essentially so. the rebellion six years ago was that all like the traders parents <laughs> well like the yeah were they wanted to defend the people against the venom and the women and stuff and then the other people were like well nah so yeah crazy history repeats itself very very yes. early <laughs> i also like took me a very long time to realize that like because Zayden has 107 scars on his back and it's because he took responsibility for all of the rebel kids that's why everyone's like oh we yeah. owe him our life like blah 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 and i like it just didn't occur to me because i kept thinking that like the rebellion was like 60 years ago or something yeah and then it's so fresh <clears throat> yeah when it was like oh the youngest would be turning six now and I was like, oh, shit. Like- With that, sorry, Kenzie. Yeah, Zayden made the deal for them to only be eligible for the Riders Quadrant because, again, it's the most ethical way to send them to die for the for the generals and stuff. Um, so then there's, like, a big a big battle ensues. Liam dies. Very sad. Rip. Um, Violet gets stabbed with, like, a poison-dipped dagger. And then, like, as she's, like, passing in and out, like, she can hear them talking. And then um, Zayden's like, there's one place we can go that we're close to, which... Um, in like their books, like Navarre's books, apparently it's still ash. Like it was destroyed and it was wasn't rebuilt. It it was the home base of the rebellion, I guess, six years ago. And everyone's like, no, and because he's like, we only know like one healer that can like save her. And then straight away, I was like, it's her brother. <laughs> and then so they're in a place, and I can't remember what it's called. It starts with P. Oh uh, no, they're in uh, Artia. Oh, that's right, Artia. Where did I get P from? Anyway. Um, and like Violet wakes up and she's like this isn't meant to be here blah 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 anyway and then like Zayden's explaining that he's like I did it all for love (laughs) (laughs) which quickly the last chapter is pretty much Zayden's point of view which I don't know how I feel about that considering we've had yeah 99% I mean like maybe like the next book's gonna be Jewel Pov like maybe but I guess also like it's a way to like pass time while Violet's like asleep i know but like i want violet to spell it out to me how she figured yeah. things out like i otherwise because i'm stupid i like things spelt out yeah i want to know what she thought but no because it was just like zayden smiling because she's figuring it out but it's like but i'm not yeah <laughs> i i don't understand yeah. so yeah violet wakes up and then like there's they're talking whatever there's a knock on the door and then she like says something and then the person goes that's right sister and then he goes welcome to the rebellion yeah, re- revolution or something. Yeah, re- revolution, yeah. sister, or whatever. It's like, it's Brennan. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Pow, 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 pow. All right, let's talk. It's like that TikTok meme of like, gunshot, next thing, gunshot, next thing, you know? Yes. All right, all right, lay it on me, Kenzie. Have we gone, have we surpassed the point where I had a thought that we would, <gasps> I would agree with? Okay, so Zayden and Violet first meeting, reminiscent of There You Are, I've Been Looking For You. Because uh, yes. Zayden probably would have heard all about Violet from Brennan. Oh, and yeah, that's like, right. Wouldn't, wouldn't have been expecting to see her because he would just assume she's going to the scribe quadrant. And then when um, Violet and Zayden like hash things out a little bit or whatever, and she's like, oh, your he's like, your mother killed my father. And he's like, well, your father killed my brother. I would call us even. And he goes, hardly. Because Brennan's alive. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. So do you think um, his whole I hate you straight off the bat was just the guys because it's expected? Yeah. And it's like that she fell first, but he fell harder. Yeah. Because she said I love you first. They have a, they have a good DNM on the parapet, again, so, which is cute. Um, also, obviously, Brendan's LGBTQ. 
Oh, yeah, because of the rider trying to save his life. So I'm thinking that that rider has turned venom because they channeled too much power. And like they just, and that's like the story. The story is, oh, he tried to save Brennan but failed. Um, but like, because that's what like her mother told her. But the real story is that he turned venom and like did save Brennan. But that's the consequence. I mean, I suppose two things can be true at once. Like he could have still saved Brennan but then burnt out because resurrection is very uncommon or highly unlikely in this world very difficult to pull off so i feel like he could have he could have saved him but because because he had because that rider was had tan had that dragon so like obviously and tan is of immaculate power um so i feel like that's not as too far-fetched as they make it out to be but yeah i i I, i'm all ears in everything you have to say i agree yeah and um i want to talk about pocs (laughs) persons of color characters of color on my first read, I didn't pick up that Rhiannon was a person of colour, and that's just my bad, but that's fine. And then I've seen a lot of, like, um, discourse around Zayden, because he was introduced as having, like, tawny skin, and people like, that's just not, like, a colour that, like, I associate with, like, a person of colour, but I'm like, every time I've read a book and someone is tawny, I'm like, okay, well, they're darker-skinned, like, because I imagine, like, a tawny deer, like, that skin colour or whatever. Anyway, but then I find that in especially in art and in AI art. AI art, oh yeah, that's a can of worms. You get the erasure of POC because you just put in, like, I guess the description or whatever. And if you say, like, yeah, like, tawny skin, like, I think that's going to, like, whitewash a little bit the character. Um, But then also especially, like, I think, yeah, fan art's a hard one because, like, I guess you have, like, some artistic license in how you, like, perceived the character. But also, but also the descriptions the are right there. Right there, yeah. Um, but then I find, and like this has always been a thing, especially with like um, the AI art for Akatar and stuff as well, that it really lends. And then we were talking about kind of as well, but it lends to just like same face syndrome. Like especially when I'm, and we had this conversation when I'm imagining a character, like they all kind of just have like same face, like until like yeah, I can see it as art. Like especially we were saying that like most main characters to me now just look like recent. And then like a, who looks like, who looks like Castile. Castile, who looks like Rude, like that kind of thing. And then like uh, uh, any side characters just yeah look like Castile or Azriel, like <laughs> yeah, or like a lot of the ladies they look like Aelin but with brown hair, or they look like this with and like even like yeah some of the art that I've already seen or like the AI art, I'm like this could, yeah it could be like you change it a little bit and it could be like from a guitar like it's just and also like the really modern faces in these like fantasy books just. I don't like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I gloss through descriptions. I don't. Sometimes I do, especially when there's, like, dialogue soon after because I just get to the dialogue. But with me personally, I... Because I imagine, like, it rolling out as a movie in my head, you know? Like, I can visualise everything except the hu- like the people are just, like, shadow figures. Like, they're just humanoid figures. Like, there's no real description. Unless it's very obvious, they're like, oh... Because Zayden has, like, gold flecks in his eyes. It's like, yeah, I imagine a figure and then I just imagine, like, gold eyes, Yeah, exactly. Like, eyes, it's kind of know? just, like, a blurry face until, yeah, there's, like, a specific description along with, like, a scene or something. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, that's just me. So I completely missed the whole, like, yeah, he had darker skin and stuff until I saw discourse, yeah, on the interwebs as well about it. I'm like, oh, shit. My controversial topic. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of older content creators 
like really just bashing this book saying like it's bad it has a predictable plot blah 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 but this is my thing is that it's new adult like it is not like for older readers it is not for younger readers it's like snack bang in the middle for like our demographic for our demographic and i'm like this is like the same because this is how i feel and this is we've discussed this like this is the same as you and i reading cruel prince and like house and night and we're like this is so bad this is predictable this is juvenile immature because it is for the juvenile like teen like that 14 to 18 kind of range whereas this is for that like 18 to like 27 27, yeah whatever and then the older creators yeah like i'm sure there's like older fantasy out there for you and also like oh like i hate the qualm or like the discourse of like oh it's bad like and i've always hated when people just say things are like bad it's like okay well tell me what's bad about it like and they're like oh it's a predictable plot and it's like okay but like i don't want to go into a book being like <gasps> like every second or third chapter or whatever it's like i want a plot that like yeah is a little bit predictable that i can easily follow along and like i feel good when i can like like be like oh i think this is going to happen and then it happens mm. predictable is good if there is a very good build-up because of the whole or to use the example of the fable books yeah brought up as a fantasy like story time for Violet. She goes, susses it out at the archives. They don't have it. Oh, well, maybe the book is going to come into play. And then it does. So it's not much of a surprise. It just had a very well-weighted, like, build-up to it and everything. Like, I'd rather, yeah, it be predictable in that sense other than, like, something happening from left field out of nowhere. And no one saw... You can't relay... You can't reference anything to what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was that predictable. I mean, yeah. you can catch on to some things. And it's like, yeah, like, I like, yeah, a book that's, uh, like, not, like, yeah, somewhat predictable or whatever. Or that, like, yeah, I can, like, follow a plot point and, like, a hint and, like, th- like threads of, like, hints and clues and stuff. And I'd be like, okay, I think yeah. this is going to happen. Like, the stuff with Brennan. I don't think I, I got him, but I got the whole, like, yeah, Dane touching Violet's face yeah. a little too much and her figuring it out, him figuring out some stuff but yeah like brennan being alive is very feasible yeah Yeah, obviously he is but it was a very feasible guess yeah i don't know it's probably hard to write good a good book with that bit of predictability when like the characters are explicitly like you know it's like violet's 20 and zayden's yeah and zayden's like 21 or 22 or whatever like it's like okay if you're you know 35 reading about a 20 year old like of course you're going to be like this feels juvenile because like you've got 15 years on them like yeah or even if they're if they're like above our our moral age i guess because in fantasy books like they don't have to follow like the real life set of rules i guess if it's the case of new adult them being like 24 25 or even like 22 as a if you're reading it as like a 35 year old or a 40 year old surely you can just age them up in your mind Yeah, I have seen a bit of discourse about the whole defining new adult and what does that mean. Yeah. I think they, like, I've seen like people describe it as young, like it's young adult but more smart. It's like smart friendly and stuff like that. But new adult, yeah, should be more for yeah the middle adult life and th- their journeys and stories because we're just as viable. We're just as important as the because you get too many like yeah sixteen year old heroines, eighteen year old heroines. Or yeah, heroines. and I'm like I can't relate to this, but. Being, being a chosen one, whereas, you know, being 21-ish, like, yeah, you can probably relate to that a little bit more. Anyway, that was just my controversial... Yeah, I think... I, I, I lean to more agreeing with you. 
obviously because we've had similar chats before. I want to quickly talk about, it's a bit of a funny thing, or it could be a jarring thing depending on how you view it, but the fact that they use, I'm going to sound so dumb now, is it the like Julius Caesar calendar or whatever? Like October, November, December? Oh, yeah. Whatever, like that, in a fantasy world, we're, u- we're using that. As like the calendar system instead of like a, a solstice or. It's like you know, it just makes it more relatable for the people. I like to think it's just adding a more. It's, yeah, it's like in the books. Yeah, they use like the standard calendar or whatever, but then they don't say like Christmas. They say like, oh, it's a Yule, Yule time. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, Christmas, like. <laughs> yeah, you can say it. Relax. I think I saw a a one star review as I was searching for mine, and it's like. It's so jarring because they've said the word vibe and like it's giving off European medieval times and it's like just relax bro. It's it's like I'd say it's like new new modern fantasy as well alongside the new adult genre. I think I was just more annoyed that yeah no one out of Violet's friend group no one else seemed to be attacked and or targeted. I know it's because they because Violet is the weak one. Oh just quickly how cute Zayden making Violet a saddle. Like that was that's a quite a pivotal point. Yeah, and with Violet's condition, she knows like physiologically she's weaker than the rest of the of the riders, but she doesn't use it. Like she doesn't like hate herself for it or anything. It's just her way of life. She even I think when she was fighting Jack, she's like I've been in more pain than you could ever imagine and like I'm still living and surviving and stuff like that. And just how Tan Yeah, yeah, she does, which was glorious. And that and yeah, she's never killed anyone before and that was a quite a significant point for her because now she's like realizing like she's going to have to kill people because having a lightning power means she's going to be an, an absolute weapon in the future. And yeah, and like Tarn does everything he can to help her, like he magically holds her in and stuff in her in the little saddle pocket of the dra- of his back and stuff and like he 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 leans down his forearm to help her climb up and down and stuff and like she doesn't ask for it, which I think You'd, she'd never ask but they they just know that they want to help her in in the little ways and it just makes her more badass as well like i saw this isn't my review that i'm reading but i did see one review that was about like oh violet set women's rights back like girl get up and like help <gasps> yourself and it's like what? all she did was get up and help herself like yeah everyone else was dragging her down and babying her even to an extent mira was like well, she was apprehensive about the whole going to the rider's quadrant, but, like, at the order of your mother, like, it's Yeah, not and fault. even when Dane was like, I'll get you out, like, the first night or whatever, she's like, no, like, I've got to stay and prove myself. Like, I've got this far. Also, quick qualm now that I've thought about it. I think, because the rest of the Mark ones, like, Imogen and Garrick and everybody wants to help her, like, mm. tra- strengthen her yeah. muscles and all that stuff. I just wonder if in a way they knew about the condition because it seemed to come across that way that they had this sort of idea but well, it seems like Violet never that said she was weaker and that she couldn't like stay in her seat so I think it was just like I don't think they particularly knew about her condition I think they just like acknowledged like oh she's weaker especially because like they probably were training their whole lives to like get in and like strengthen yeah. themselves oh yeah true true and so and then because like now the threat that if she dies Zayden dies yeah they're all about protecting her it's weird. I hated you hate the flip because it's like two seconds ago you wanted to murder her, but now because your buddy boy is in danger, but oh, it makes for good relationship building as well, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Sorry, stars that listen. I'm sorry, stars. You're waiting ever so patiently. It's a big book. There's a lot to get through, and you know, a lot of overwhelming thoughts. I know. As soon as we finish, I'm gonna be like, I should have said that on the potty. I know. I'm gonna go to sleep and then like wake up like <gasps> I should have said that. <laughs> I know there's a bunch of like locations I have in my notes that we haven't said, but like I don't give a shit. Alrighty, stars that listen. 
we for those who are new we do a one star review and a five star review of goodreads just for a bit of fun we start with the one star review because we want to end on a positive note with a five star review kenzie do you want to go first with your one star who had a gun to the head of everyone who rated this five stars (laughs) oh no all right so in my screenshot there's actually two one star reviews so like i might read them both i can't have said two so (laughs) so this one star said this is actually maybe three stars, but if no one else is going to be critical of this book, it's up to me. But, like, that's that's the comment, but they have not said oh. anything critical about this book, which is silly. Arrogance. And then the one beneath it is, like, one star and one star only for the dragons and the magic system. <laughs> Fair. But, like, it's so yeah. dope, though. Right, I'll go to my five star. It was hard to find a five star that wasn't an essay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my five star is I'm not emotionally stable enough to wait until November. <laughs> <laughs> love that Alrighty, my five star again because they're so short i got I, I got two and one which is relevant all right the first five star review is i need a minute <laughs> yep the post book depression yep. is real and then the other five star below it is like ah <laughs> yes i think like often like i like i won't reread a book while the series is like coming out but i did for akita well like because silver like the four were out so i read that and then silver flames came out so that's a whole different thing um but i think this is one of those situations where like before like i might even like buy like the second one and then reread this one and then go into the second one as well (laughs) yeah like i usually like to just like read like the series as a whole and then go back and reread but this one just love that tickled my butthole Uh, for what i would give to read this book for the first time again i know right I'll never read it. I'm just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to relish the second book, yeah. I guess. We'll try and as soon as it's out, we'll pump it out ASAP. Get on the trends. This is actually one of the first books I think we got on straight like, away. On top of the trend for straight yeah. away, just because like we we want to do yeah. our own thing. We don't want to just give in to the trends. Anyway, I suppose that's and that concludes this episode of Lost yeah, Book Club. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. For those who have managed to stay this far, thank you so much. Um, it's it's gonna be it's a big boy. Yeah, for, for sure. those that are new, you can find us. Um, at on Instagram at letterbox underscore book underscore club. From there, our link is in our bio to our link tree that will tell you where you can find us in all the other places like YouTube and Spotify and TikTok. For sure. Absolutely. And yet you give me the shits for naming them all. I named all three right. out of the <laughs> 1,700. That I named the important ones. <laughs> hey, I'm slowly working on the getting the link tree in the TikTok as well. Oh, so nice. Almost there. Okay, anyway, so thanks for listening. All right, catch you, catch us next week for the Cruel Prince, because ultimately the Cruel Prince was going to be first, but we decided to switcheroo. So stay tuned for that if you're interested. And I feel sorry for the next book I'm going to read. <laughs> going to be ga- irrationally yes. garbage in comparison. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Bye.